Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. It was a nail-biter at the box office this past weekend. What movie was going to be number one? I have all the final numbers to break that down. Another big milestone for Top Gun Maverick. Lots of numbers, facts, and figures. Everything you'd expect from the show to throw at you. Before we get started, I want to thank, as always, my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. They are partners with me on the show because we both believe in what the other one is doing. They love to invest in communities that are positive about the things that they cover, and I appreciate their mission, which is to make healthcare as accessible and affordable as possible to as many people as possible. You can download the Carbon Health app right now to see if there is a clinic near you. There are over 50 clinics in the state of California, many other ones nationwide, but you can also do telehealth. You can find clinics. You can schedule appointments. You can go in person if you want that to be your primary care. Lots of different options. And as always, I want to thank Carbon Health for being a terrific partner here on Charts with Dan. Let's jump into that weekend. Now, when the estimated numbers came in on Sunday, first place was essentially a tie between Elvis and Top Gun Maverick. And this is one of the reasons why I always like to wait for the final numbers to come in because we can really dive into what actually happened at the box office. When the dust had settled and when all of the final numbers were in, it turns out that the king, Elvis Presley, was number one at the box office, coming in a little bit above what the estimates were at $31.2 million. That is a number one opening for Baz Luhrmann, uh, for Austin Butler in a role that has gotten him a, a huge amount of critical acclaim. We'll see if that continues on to the awards season. And there's so much to talk about. We're going to take these movies kind of one by one. So let's dive a little bit more into what happened with Elvis, number one at the box office. When we look at the musical biopic genre, if you will, or sub genre. It's the third best opening weekend for a musical biopic. The top spot remains straight out of Compton, a phenomenally successful movie uh, coming up on, on like seven years old, I think, which is crazy to think about with a 60.2 million opening in the late summer. Then Bohemian Rhapsody starring Rami Malek. He would go on to win the Academy Award for that role with a $51 million opening. That was a fall opening. Then we have Elvis at number three with $31.2 million. Elvis comes in above the Tupac biopic All Eyes on Me, which had a respect opening but then really fell off a cliff and then at number five is the Taron Edgerton also a summer movie Rocket Man biopic of Elton John with a 25.7 million dollar opening I still maintain that Taron Edgerton was criminally overlooked for his work in that film when I was putting together my top 10 grocers of the summer list Elvis was what I considered to be kind of a risky choice because we've seen these movies fail as often as we've seen them succeed when you look at the demographics as far as who was seeing this movie uh, a Again, much like with Top Gun Maverick, an older audience driving a lot of ticket sales, that audience also skewing heavily female. So the older female audience, the hardest audience, according to research, to get back to the theaters as the pandemic was starting to ease last year, driving a lot of the success for Elvis. And as we've seen with Top Gun Maverick, the older audience is also one that turns out perhaps a little bit more slowly. So we'll see if Elvis has the kind of legs. Certainly won't have the kind of legs that Top Gun Maverick has had because almost no movie has those kinds of legs. But will we see Elvis kind of hanging around for the next few weeks? Because it's not necessarily in competition with the younger skewing, bigger movies that are opening like Minions, The Rise of Gru and Thor, Love and Thunder. Only time is going to tell when you 
look at the reviews. They were pretty good for the movie. Audience response was generally positive. So there is some runway for Elvis. We'll see if it can continue. But it was the movie that survived the nail biter to come out on top. Let's look, though, at the number two movie of this past weekend, which was Top Gun Maverick in its fifth week in second place. Another great drop off, a 33.7% drop off. Its final number came in at $29.6 million. That was just a little bit below estimates, which is how we ended up with Elvis number one and Top Gun Maverick number two. When we look at fifth weekends overall, or I should say fifth wide weekends, the fifth weekend that a movie was in wide release, Top Gun initially had the number two weekend. Uh, the fact that the estimate was a little bit lower bumps it down to number three, but we see Avatar having the best fifth weekend in wide release in box office history with $42.7 million. Then Titanic with $30 million. Just below Titanic is Top Gun Maverick with $29.6 million. It beats out Black Panther with $26.6 million and Star Wars The Force Awakens with $26.3 million. But much like I said with Avatar last week, if you're talking box office records and now the two movies that are ahead of you are Avatar and Titanic, you're still doing something right. So a big weekend for Top Gun Maverick. It was reclaiming some of those premium screens that it had lost to Lightyear and particularly Jurassic World Dominion. We'll look at kind of the scatter of the different local markets to see how many showtimes were available at least here uh, this past weekend. But we are now at a point with Top Gun Maverick where we're starting to talk all-time highest-grossing movies. It has crossed now the $500 million mark domestically. It is only the 17th movie to ever do that. And let's see where it ranks on the all-time domestic box office grocer list. It has passed 2017's Beauty and the Beast. It has passed Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Right now, it is the 15th highest grossing movie of all time domestically. In the next few days, it will pass Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. It will pass The Dark Knight. Of course, all of these numbers are not adjusted for inflation. And we talked last week about adjusting for inflation and the fact that I was going to do it using the uh, attendance, the butts and the seats index number, but even that, uh, when I was looking at ticket prices, you know, the, the official data that was available said that tickets were only increasing 40 to 50 cents a year. So the average ticket price should be, if it was staying on trend, like $9.75. But I was seeing data that was saying that the average Top Gun movie ticket is about $12.50, which would have heavily affected the attendance numbers and kind of bumped it down the chart quite a bit from what I've uh, been covering in the last several weeks. So I, I'm also kind of putting a pause on the attendance for right now because I cannot not find reliable information about what the actual average ticket price is right now. The, the NATO, the not the not the peacekeeping NATO, the National Association of Theater Owners has not updated their average ticket price number now in a couple of years. So I'm doing the best that I can. Let's look at where Top Gun Maverick sits on the inflation adjusted list with the caveat that yes, especially right now, this is not a perfect metric, but this is just kind of a little bit of historical perspective. So based just on the rough numbers inflation adjusted it is now the 76th highest grossing movie of all time domestically again it has just beaten out beauty and the beast adjusted for inflation it has just beaten out tootsie which was a box office phenomenon adjusted for inflation with 520.7 million dollars and here in the next few days it's going to pass 1978 superman it's going to pass the sixth sense again these are massive movies when we get into this range we stop talking about top 
Gun Maverick and its place in the summer, and we start talking about Top Gun Maverick and its place in box office history. So, of course, we're going to keep updating that as we talk about this movie and as the gross continues to grow. So here's a little peek behind the curtain on how I do the show. On Sunday night, when things were pretty much tied, I was curious about movies that had lost the number one spot, as Top Gun Maverick did, and then regained that number one spot after a multiple week break, because Maverick would have lost number one for two weeks, and then jumped back into that number one spot this weekend. And before the final numbers came in, I was kind of, I was bullish on Top Gun Maverick because I figure, well, it's overperformed at every other turn. So my guess was that it was probably going to be number one. So I went ahead and did the research on movies that lost the number one spot and then got it back multiple weeks later. Of course, now, so far, Top Gun Maverick has not done that because it ended up in number two. That's not to say that it won't. And the reason that I'm still gonna present this data to you is that the ultimate finding I think is very relevant to Top Gun Maverick and its place in box office history. So let's talk about movies that had the number one spot for a week or two or multiple weeks, lost it, and then got it back. And we're gonna start with movies that got it back after two weeks. So this is where Top Gun Maverick would have fallen, loses the number one spot, gets it back after two weeks. Only six movies have ever done that uh, since 1982. Weekly numbers really only go back to about 1982. So this is in the last 40 years. Six movies have gotten the number one spot after losing it for two weeks. The last one to do so was Guardians of the Galaxy back in 2014. M. Night Shyamalan Signs did it. Tom Cruise, we're going to see Tom Cruise here a few times. Jerry Maguire did it back in late 1996, early 1997, as it was making its run toward the Academy Awards. Ace Ventura Pet Detective did it in 1994. This is very interesting because this movie is going to pop up twice. Mrs. Doubtfire, starring Robin Williams, did it in early 94. That was a late year release in 1993. In January 1994, it was number one lost it for two weeks, came back and got it again. So it got the number one spot again after two weeks. And then back in 1987, Three Men and a Baby also regained number one spot after being off for two weeks. There's actually more movies, though, that regained the number one spot after losing it for three weeks. Skyfall did it in 2012, The Passion of the Christ in 2004, Force Gump did it in 1994. In December of 93, Mrs. Doubtfire did it. So it came out, lost the number one spot for three weeks, got it back, lost it for two weeks, then got it back again. And it is the only movie that I found since 1982 that was actually able to do this twice. So that's the power of Robin Williams and Pierce Brosnan and Sally Field and Harvey Firestein. Who Framed Roger Rabbit did it back in 1988. The Terminator did it in 1984. Terms of Endearment in 1983. There were a number of movies that were just kind of jockeying this uh, title around back in 1982. So Tootsie, First Blood, and An Officer and a Gentleman all lost number one and regained it after three weeks off in 1982, and then On Golden Pond did it back in 1981. There's only one movie that lost the number one spot and got it back after four weeks, and this happened back in 1990, the movie that made Julia Roberts a star, Pretty Woman. For four weeks in March and April of 1990, Pretty Woman surrendered the number one spot to the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and then got it back after that movie had run its course. So that was a movie that played for a very long time. Three movies got the number one spot back after five weeks. Ghostbusters in 1984, The Big Chill in 1983, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial in 1982. Then we get to the movies that were able to get that number one spot back after the biggest gap between losing the spot and getting it back. There are two movies that got it back after seven weeks. One of them is actually very recent. 
The Crudes, A New Age, back in 2020 and going into early 2021, Lost number one, Wonder Woman 1984, and some other movies came out. And then seven weeks after it was last number one, it got that number one spot back. Of course, a lot of people would say, well, that's an asterisk. And I, and I would agree uh, because it was a depressed pandemic box office, but it still goes in the record books. But look at the other movie, Tom Cruise, Rain Man in 1988. Loses the number one spot, gets it back after seven weeks. It's the second longest gap for any movie that's ever done that. So remember when I said that my findings I thought were very relevant, and this is why I'm actually sharing this research, even though Top Gun Maverick did not get the number one spot back. And that's because in order for it to get that spot back, it would have to have come out in May, lost the number one spot for pretty much the entire summer, and then gotten it back at some point. Well, that's exactly what the first Top Gun movie did, because the longest gap between a movie losing number one and getting it back is 12 weeks. It was done in 1986, and it was done by the first Top Gun movie. It gave up the number one spot between June 13th and September 5th. So basically the entire summer, it was still in theaters, but was not the number one movie. Back to School was number one for one week. The Karate Kid Part Two was number one for four weeks. Aliens was number one for four weeks. The Fly was number one for two weeks. Stand By Me was number one for a week. And then in September, Top Gun came back and grabbed that number one spot for one more week. So is that something that Top Gun Maverick could do at this point? You never know. I mean, it's still just hanging around. August and particularly September are usually kind of a doldrum uh, for box office releases. Maybe not quite as much as they used to be, but still pretty much. I think it's very possible we could see something like what happened with the first Top Gun, where it's hanging around for a number of weeks. You get a particularly slow late summer, early fall, maybe post-Labor Day box office weekend, and there it goes back to number one again. So that's why I shared that data, because it's so crazy. First of all, Tom Cruise, at least from my estimation here, uh, going back to 1982 at least, the only star that's ever had movies do this this many times, lose number one and get it back. And then for the first Top Gun to be the movie that gave up that spot for the longest, and here we are looking at potentially perhaps the same thing happening with Top Gun Maverick. History is a weird thing. Sometimes it repeats, you get echoes, it's like poetry, it rhymes. You never quite know what it's going to do, so I'm actually not giving up on the potential for Top Gun Maverick getting that number one spot again. It came really close this weekend, and if it hangs around, if they keep it off streaming, if it's still in those premium theaters, I could see a weekend down the road where it maybe snags that spot again. Only time will tell. Let's look at the rest of the top five. Jurassic World Dominion still holding pretty well in its third week. It was a contender for the number one spot. It dropped 54.8% in week three for a $26.7 million total. A movie that I was really glad to see, a lot of times with horror, you see it underperform at the box office. The Black Phone from Scott Derrickson, starring Ethan Hawke, actually overperformed significantly what its estimates were with $23.6 million. I mean, really within shouting distance of that number one, one spot. It also got a B plus cinema score, which for a horror film is actually pretty good. Horror film cinema scores are generally pretty low because the horror audience is it's a very diverse audience as far as what they're expecting, what they want, what they think a movie is going to be. Horror films are usually marketed a certain way. So the Black Phone actually had a pretty enthusiastic response. And when we look at Ethan Hawke, uh, Blumhouse, who's the production company behind the Black Phone, has actually been pretty good to Ethan Hawke. These are his five top opening weekends domestically. Number one was the ensemble uh, action drama The Magnificent Seven remake back in 2016 with $34.7 million. Then an early Blumhouse movie, The Purge, 
at $34 million. The Black Phone, Ethan Hawke's third highest opening movie of all time with $23.6 million. That's ahead of Training Day back in 2001 with $22.5 million. And then another, uh, not only Ethan Hawke Blumhouse movie, but also an Ethan Hawke, Scott Derrickson Blumhouse movie, Sinister, with an $18 million opening. So Ethan Hawke and the horror genre have actually been, you may not have guessed it, but pretty good bedfellows. Uh, and we see now uh, three of his top five opening weekends now with Blumhouse and with the horror genre. So The Black Phone, I was happy to see that that movie performed well. There's really, when you look at this top five, maybe even top 10, only one one real loser, and that is Lightyear. We talked about Lightyear last week. It had, uh, next to Onward, the lowest pure three-day opening, meaning a movie that actually opened on Friday and not on a Wednesday. In Pixar history, Onward kind of kept it from getting that bottom spot because Onward's opening weekend was two weeks before theaters closed. Lightyear dropped like a blockbuster, not like a family animation film, which is not good because it didn't have the best debut. In its second week, it dropped 64.1%, a distant fifth place, with an $18.1 million total. And when we look at the Pixar movies that have dropped the most in their second wide weekends, their second weekends in wide release, again, the pandemic is bailing Lightyear out because the biggest second week drop for Pixar was Onward. It dropped 72.9% in its second weekend. That was also two days uh, before theaters closed due to COVID. So people were already staying home. You have to put that asterisk there. But in the record books, that keeps Lightyear out of the bottom spot. Because you see there with Lightyear, the second worst drop-off for a Pixar film uh, in its second weekend in wide release with a 64.1% drop. The Good Dinosaur dropped 60.9%. Cars 2 dropped 60.3%. And then Incredibles 2 dropped 56%. Although you have to keep in mind that Incredibles had one of the biggest box office openings of all time. So that 56% is on top of a massive opening weekend number. The Pixar movie that held the best, by the way, from its first weekend to second weekend uh, was Monsters, Inc., which only dropped 27% from its first weekend in wide release to its second week weekend in wide release. Uh, that was followed by The Incredibles, the first Toy Story movie, Finding Nemo, and Up. Interesting, no sequels in that list of movies. So Lightyear really underperforming in both its opening weekend and its second weekend. And this really calls to light the idea, and this has been discussed, nobody really knows the terms, but the idea that Disney has been able to dictate in many ways, um, very aggressive terms for how much theaters, what the share is that they're going to share with the studio, how many auditoriums a Disney film gets booked into, and how long those movies are booked into those theaters and auditoriums. And I think that this weekend potentially showed just how much theaters are locked into showing in particular Disney releases, despite what happens on their opening weekend. Last week, I did a breakdown of my local market. I looked at all the show times and saw, uh, based on those show times, what percentage of them were taken up by certain movies. So I did it again this time on Friday. So this was on last Friday as the weekend started uh, in my local market. Six theaters, 72 available screens, 272 show times. And the movie with the most show times in my local market this past weekend was Lightyear, even though it had a disappointing opening. It had 55 showtimes. It accounted for a full 20% of all showtimes in my local market. My guess is a lot of those theaters were not very full. And I think it's likely that many theaters 
Raiders didn't have a choice about how many times they show Lightyear because they had a pre-existing agreement with Disney. So the movie that came in fifth place at the box office this weekend had the most show times in my local market. Although Top Gun Maverick was right behind it with 53 show times, statistically basically the same. 20% of all show times went to Top Gun Maverick. Elvis, the number one movie this weekend, had the third biggest number of show times. 50 show times in my local market, 18% of all show times. Followed by Jurassic World Dominion, which had 16% of all show times. The Black Phone, which I mentioned, overperformed, uh, had 40 show times. And then uh, all other movies combined had 11% of the remaining show times. That included uh, whatever was left for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The second weekend of Brian and Charles, which I think had like two show times at one theater that was available. So we still see uh, the wide releases, the studio movies, getting the vast majority of show times, particularly new studio movies, 89% of all show times taken up by five movies in my local market. But the light year thing I thought was really interesting. I I'm gonna be very interested to see uh, if I can kind of suss out control Contractually, if there's a big drop in light year showtimes in my local market this week, and I think I'm going to continue doing this, at least for cases like this, uh, it, it may indicate just how locked in a lot of these theaters are to showing light year, how many times a day, and how many theaters, auditoriums, etc. So kind of an interesting look, and I think that there are a lot of theater owners that were perhaps not quite happy that they had to show light year as many times as they did. When we look at the weekend box office in total, we are still well below the average for 2015 through 2019, even though we had uh, four movies above $20 million for the first time, uh, I think in uh, four or five years, it's just that there's nothing really below them. We had four really well-performing movies, but but not much uh, in the rest of the top 10. I think when we look at Thor Love and Thunder, if that pops uh, pretty big, I think that we could be going back up over that blue line in a couple weeks. But for right now, uh, we are kind of in between the average for 2015 through 2019 and where we were last summer in 2021, which is just barely above that 100 million, or I think just below the $100 million mark. Uh, but still, we continue to see a strong performance, at least in the peaks for this summer. It's just in between those peaks, we keep falling drastically below the average. And that's probably because we have a lot of big movies coming out. But there's not a lot of the other ones this summer. And I think when we look to next summer, we should hopefully see it start to average out a little bit more so we're not quite as reliant on these big tentpole movies and then just dropping like a rock the weekend after those come out. When we look at the market share for all movie ticket sales year to date, not a whole lot of change. Warner Brothers maintains its 14% market share Paramount still a huge 27% of all movie ticket sales sold year to date, largely due to Top Gun Maverick. Universal stays at 18%. Disney Fox stays at 17%. So Lightyear not really moving the needle at all for Disney as far as market share this summer. I'm sure that is not their anticipated result. The only difference being Sony loses 1% market share because it doesn't really have a whole lot of product right now uh, that's bringing in some money. The all other slice bringing in 1%. So now uh, all other studios other than the big five uh, bringing in 10% of uh, total ticket sales, which is interesting because when you looked at the movies that were playing in my local market, 89% of movies were from the major studios. 11% of the showtimes were for all other studios. You look at the market share as far as revenue year to date, 10% of the revenue is from all of the studios combined. So they're doing their best. They're scratching out what they can in those margins. 
Uh, but a lot of it is also that these are smaller movies. Before we continue, I'd like to thank the sponsor for Charts with Dan today, and that is MeUndies. We've been talking a lot about the box office for Jurassic World Dominion here on the show, but there's one thing that's even scarier, at least in my mind, than being chased by a Giganotosaurus, and that's being stuck wearing uncomfortable underwear. Thankfully, I don't have to worry about that anymore with help from MeUndies, and hold on to your butts because their latest print is 65 million years in the making. It's the Jurassic Park collection. MeUndies is famous for their limited edition prints and softer than soft fabrics, and now they're bringing that comfort to all Jurassic fans with their undies, socks, bralettes, and loungewear. MeUndies is available in sizes from extra small to 4XL. Usually during the day, I like to put on shorts or jeans or really pants of some kind in order to pretend like I'm an adult. But I've been rocking these Jurassic Park lounge pants 24-7 just about since I got them from MeUndies. They're just that comfortable. And here in Arkansas, it's summer, it's hot, it's humid, but comfort uh, finds a way because the fabric on MeUndies is so light, it's so comfortable, perfect for the summer. And MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off of your first order, including anything from the new Jurassic Park collection. To get 15% off your first order, plus a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com Dan. That's me, M-E-Undies, U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash Dan, D-A-N. And be sure to spare no expense. A really interesting story when we look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. The number one movie was Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is an extremely limited release in only six theaters, a $28,268 average in those six theaters. That's just shy of what it would have taken to become one of the five biggest uh, per theater openings this year, but still a really impressive number. I'm sure the theaters that had that movie were happy with the turnout. In two theaters, with $9,000 in each of them, was a 4K restoration of the David Lynch film Lost Highway. So that $9,000 average, good enough for number two. Elvis was number three, brought in $7,991 in 3,906 theaters. And then four and five, I can't remember, I don't think I've ever seen a result this close, basically almost a tie between The Black Phone and Top Gun Maverick. The Black Phone with the fourth highest per theater average, $7,503 in 3,150 theaters. Top Gun Maverick, $7,501. So a $2 difference between Top Gun Maverick and The Black Phone per theater with 3,948 theaters for Top Gun Maverick. So what we see with The Black Phone, it was booked in about 800 fewer theaters than most of the other movies that were playing this weekend, but it had a very similar per theater average, which means that even though it had fewer showtimes and it was in fewer locations, it was drawing a comparably sized crowd. So that's great news for The Black Phone. It really is. It just means that that there is, I mean, when you look at the, 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 the breadth of the top five, uh, you have two heavily adult skewing titles. You have Jurassic World, which skews younger. You have the horror crowd getting served with the black phone. You have Lightyear uh, with the animation crowd, even though it's not doing, uh, I'm sure what Disney had hoped it would do. You kind of literally have something out there for everybody right now. And most people really seem to be sharing in those riches. Looking at movies that were out in limited release, so these are in 1,000 theaters or fewer 
Jug Jug Geo, which is another film from the Indian market. We've seen so many Indian films performing, especially well in limited release, in 318 theaters with a $604,000 gross. The Phantom of the Open, with a big expansion, moves up to second place in its fourth week with $174,720 in 501 theaters. Marcel the Shell the Shoes On, despite only playing in six theaters, is good enough for number three. Official competition in 26 theaters is at number four with $53,000. $46. And then Brian and Charles in its second week uh, takes a drop, but uh, still on the chart, $48,400 in 279 theaters. A little bit of a change when we look at the 2022 limited release chart. So these are movies that did not play in more than 1,000 theaters uh, this year. BTS Permission to Dance remains at number one, followed by KGF Chapter 2, Cyrano, and The Worst Person in the World. David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future jumps up to number five from number six with $2.4 million. That does better than the portion of Everything Everywhere All at Once is release when it was in limited release with $2.3 million. Parallel Mothers at number seven, Uma at number eight, Drive My Car at number nine, and Watcher at number 10. No change there from last week for those bottom four movies. We are literally, believe it or not, halfway through the summer movie season. Things are beginning to tape shape. I, I think we know what our number one movie is going to be. Box office-wise, it would be fantastic if we got another movie that was like Top Gun Maverick. I don't quite think we're going to get there. Uh, but still, we're starting to fill in some of those blanks. And we also have, for the first time this summer, a full summer box office chart. So these are the top 10 movies of the summer so far. Top Gun Maverick is at number one. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is at number two. Jurassic World Dominion at number three. Lightyear is at number four. Downton Abbey, a new era at number five. Elvis enters the chart at number six, bumping the Bob's Burgers movie down one spot to number seven. The Black Phone enters the chart at number eight. That bumps down Firestarter two spots to number nine. Men drops two spots to number six. And we have our first dropout of the year, the small comedy film Family Camp out of the top 10. So we're going to start losing movies. Men is going to rotate out soon. Firestarter is going to rotate out soon. And we're going to start seeing what that final top 10 summer movie list is going to look like. Speaking of, these were my predictions versus the actual. Uh, so Elvis, I predicted to be the 10th highest grossing movie of the summer. It has, uh, I mean, it's got a strong, solid start for being perhaps on the list somewhere. We'll see if it ends up anywhere. Uh, my other movies still alive. I picked Top Gun Maverick to be the fifth highest grossing movie of the summer. I was way off. It's going to be number one. Lightyear I picked as the number four highest grossing movie. That's where it is currently, but it's going to drop. I picked Thor Love and Thunder at number three. It has not yet come out. I picked Jurassic World Dominion to be the number two movie of the summer. It's currently number three. I picked Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to be number one. It is currently number two. And then Minions coming out this week is another movie that I picked for the list. So we'll see how that's starting to look. Uh, eventually, all of those titles are going to have some kind of color or be X'd off the list. Uh, DC League of Super Pets still upcoming. Nope, still upcoming. Bullet Train still upcoming. So a lot still to be written as far as what I predicted to be the top 10 movies of the summer and the actual top 10 movies of the summer. Let's turn our eye now outside of the domestic marketplace and look around the world at the top five movies internationally. So these are in all markets outside of the United States and Canada. Top Gun Maverick, the number one movie internationally with $44.5 million, followed very closely by Jurassic World Dominion with $42.9 million. A film from China, Lighting Up the Stars, is at number three with $31.6 million, followed by Elvis with a flat $20 million, and Lightyear getting dropped down to number five 
five with 19.3 million. So when you take that international number, you mash it up with our domestic number, we get our top five movies worldwide. Top Gun Maverick returns to the top spot with another $74.1 million worldwide. Jurassic World Dominion at number two with another $69.6 million. Elvis is number three worldwide with $51.2 million, followed by Lightyear with $37.4 million, and The Black Phone with $36.1 million, bringing in some money from overseas. And I mentioned another huge milestone for Top Gun Maverick, and that is because worldwide, it has now become the second movie post-pandemic or since the pandemic started after Spider-Man No Way Home to cross the $1 billion mark. It is now Tom Cruise's first billion-dollar grossing movie. It is now also the highest-grossing movie worldwide for 2022. So we see Top Gun Maverick there taking over that number one spot with just over $1 billion. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, though, approaching $950 million. Again, that's really not bad. I For people that argue that the movie didn't do well, it's just that's... Not true. Uh, the Batman at number three remains at number three with $770.3 million. Jurassic World Dominion moves up one spot. We'll see if it can approach that billion dollar mark, but it is very close to $750 million. We'll likely bypass the Batman this upcoming week. The Battle at Lake Shangjin 2 moves down one spot to number five, and then six through 10 remain unchanged. Uncharted, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 all clustered together right there around 400 million. Too Cool to Kill at number nine, and The Bad Guys at number 10. So let's break down Top Gun Maverick becoming the 50th movie ever to break $1 billion at the worldwide box office. It is also what I call one of the domestic four. So this is kind of a Western-themed graphic. Of the 50 movies that have crossed $1 billion worldwide, only four of them made most of their money domestically as opposed to worldwide. Right now, Top Gun Maverick is part of the domestic four. 51.7% of its billion-dollar gross, billion-plus-dollar gross, has come from domestic box office returns. Rogue One, also barely part of that domestic four, 50.4% of its gross was from its domestic box office. The Dark Knight at 53.2% of its billion dollar gross from the domestic box office. And then Black Panther at 52%. We'll see if Top Gun Maverick stays in this domestic four, uh, but really kind of interesting. Less than 10% of all billion dollar grossing movies ever worldwide had the majority of their gross come from their domestic U.S. and Canada revenue, the rest a large amount coming from the rest of the world. This is a list that I showed you a few weeks ago when we were talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is every movie that's ever made a billion dollars, and Top Gun Maverick is now part of that list. And this is kind of to show you the, the rarefied air that Top Gun Maverick exists in. So let's first of all kind of break it down like we did a few weeks ago. These are all the movies that have ever made a billion dollars. These are the movies that made $1 billion if you take out revenue from China or if they had no revenue from China. So still a, a pretty good list of uh, movies. This is if you take out all of the superhero comic book movies, uh, and that eliminates a lot of folks. If you take out Star Wars, that number dwindles even more. And if you just take it down to live action, that number dwindles even more. So I know that's a lot of things to take out, but again, it just kind of shows you uh, how rarefied the air that Top Gun Maverick exists in. Not a superhero movie, not a Star Wars movie, not an animated movie. That's only 13 out of the 50 films that have grossed $1 billion worldwide. So again, Top Gun Maverick doing things that not a whole lot of other movies have done before it. 
Let's look at the 2022 domestic box office. It stays pretty much the same. Top Gun Maverick passing that half billion dollar mark domestically. It's now made $520.8 million. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at just over $400 million. The Batman at number three with $369.3 million. Jurassic World Dominion trying to make a move for that number one spot. It has now passed the $300 million mark. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 remains at number five. Uncharted remains at six. The Lost City remains at seven. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore will not be reaching the $100 million mark domestically unless it pulls a rabbit out of its hat, which I don't think it's going to do. A precipitous fall for the Wizarding World there. The Bad Guys at number nine with $95.5 million. And Scream, I think one of our first movies to come onto this chart way back in January, now off the chart because it has been replaced by Lightyear, even though it has been disappointing box office when you put it on the scale of Disney and Pixar, it's still going to do fairly well over $100 million. It's currently at $89.2 million, and it'll start moving up that chart as the weeks go on. Let's look at the worldwide box office for the previous 365 days. So if you take today, you wind it back one year to this date last year. These are the top 10 movies over that period of time. Spider-Man No Way Home, of course, remains number one, but we now have a second billion dollar movie on that list with Top Gun Maverick. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness now at number three. The Battle at Lake Chongjin at number four. No Time to Die at number five. The Batman at number six. Jurassic World Dominion moves up one spot to number seven, followed by The Battle at Lake Changjin 2. Venom, Let There Be Carnage remains at number 9. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings remains at number 10. It is the low movie on the totem pole, 294 days, also the oldest movie on this chart. Really only about 70 days away from rotating off, but I, I again, I don't think we're going to make it. I don't think it's going to be uh, two plus months before another movie makes $400 million worldwide. So I actually don't know what movie it's going to be that actually next makes the 365-day Hall of Fame. It may well be No Time to Die. Before we see what people are watching at home, I like to do a little bit of a box office flashback. And we mentioned Top Gun's place in history and the way that it's kind of doing weird things with Top Gun Maverick. This is also one of those weird coincidences. I couldn't believe it when I was going back and I realized that this was this weekend. So if we go back 20 years to June 21st through the 23rd, 2002, the 25th weekend of the year, we actually had a very similar situation with the number one movies at the box office, and one of them starred Tom Cruise. It was the debut weekend of both Minority Report and Lilo and Stitch. At the end of the weekend, they were almost essentially tied, just like Top Gun Maverick and Elvis were, but this time the Tom Cruise movie came out on top barely. $35.6 million for Minority Report, $35.2 million for Lilo and Stitch. So almost statistically a tie at the top of the box office. That's just so crazy for that scenario to happen twice to the same actor. I mean, that's already weird. But for it to happen twice to the same actor and then for it to happen the second time on the 20th anniversary of the first time uh, that it happened, it, it's just, it's just, this is why, this is why I'm such a box office nerd. It really is because stuff like this happens and I think it's the most interesting thing in the world. And maybe... A third of you agree with me and the rest, I'm just in the background while you're washing dishes and I'm perfectly happy with that. The number three movie that weekend was Scooby-Doo in its second weekend with $24.4 million. And then at four and five, we had a meeting of the best friends in its second week, The Bourne Identity starring Matt Damon 
brought in $15 million. And then in its fourth week, The Stump of All Fears, starring Ben Affleck, brought in $7.7 million. So in less than five years, we went from Goodwill Hunting and then being complete unknowns to them both starring in franchise action movies that were in the top five at the box office. You never know what's around the bend uh, in this crazy world called Hollywood. Let's see what people are watching at home, and we'll start first with iTunes and their reports of sales and rentals. At number one is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal, now available for purchase and rental. It takes the number one spot. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness hit Disney Plus streaming, also available for purchase digitally. It's at number two. Watcher, which we saw for a few weeks on the specialty box office charts, now available for purchase and rental, takes the number three spot. The Bad Guys, available for purchase, is at number four. Spider-Man No Way Home, moving up a bit to number five. The Contractor, which has been on and off the chart for the last few weeks, is back at number six, followed by Everything Everywhere All at Once, available for purchase at number seven. Morbius, available for purchase and rental at number eight. Uncharted at number nine. And Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number 10 spot. Let's take a look at Netflix as we're in the intermission between the two volumes of Stranger Things. These were their most watched programs for the week of June 13th through the 19th, so a slight delay. And of course, this is using my global neural metric where I take the number of hours that something was watched, I divide it by the runtime, and I give you the potential number of finished views or the PFV number. It just kind of puts movies and TV series on a bit of a more even playing field. And at number one, uh, once again, is Hustle from The Sandman, 57.1 million hours watch for a PFE number of 29, meaning 29 million Netflix users potentially could have finished viewing Hustle. At number two, the new Joseph Kosinski movie, a Spiderhead, but not much competition. A PFE number of 19.9 with 35.4 million hours watched, so not really able to capture that same lightning in the bottle that we've seen with Top Gun Maverick. Chicken Hair and the Hamster of Darkness moving up a little as well with a PFV of 15.6. Then the debut of the Netflix movie Halftime with 18.8 million hours watched and a PFV of 11.8. Stranger Things 4 rounds out the top five with just over 100 million hours watched. So the top program on Netflix as far as total hours watched and a PFV of 11.1. That number is going to go up uh, exponentially very soon because volume two of the fourth season of Stranger Things hits Netflix this weekend. The Netflix movie The Wrath of God is at number six with a PFE of 10.6. Peaky Blinders season six is at number seven with a PFE of 9.9, followed by the Netflix movie Centauro at number eight with a PFE of 9.2. Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey, the Netflix limited series is at number nine with a PFE of 8.6. And then the Netflix movie Interceptor at number 10 with a PFV of eight flat out. When we look at the most watched programs of 2022 using that PFV number for Netflix, The Adam Project remains number one with a PFV of 147.2, but Stranger Things 4 moves up to number two. Almost with that 100 million user potential finished view number, we're going to get there because there are going to be a lot more hours watched in the next several weeks, even though it's only two episodes. Bridgerton Season 2 moves down one with a PFE of 92.3, as does The Tender Swindler with a PFE of 90.6, and Senior Year with a PFV of 89.1. Ozark Season 4 stays at number 6. Hustle joins the chart at number 7 with a PFE of 71.9, so 71.9 million total Netflix viewers potentially finished viewing that movie. 365 Days This Day moves down one spot to number 1. Inventing Anna moves down one to number 9. Through My Window moves down one to number 10. And then season one of All of Us Are Dead drops off of the list for 2022. And then when we look at the overall top 10 for the last uh, about almost a 
exactly one year, June 28th, 2021 is when Netflix began providing these numbers. We see Squid Game with an easy number one with a PFE of 279.2, 279.2 million potential Netflix users uh, doing a full watch of that Squid Game series or people with Netflix passwords, as was pointed out to me. Red Notice at number two with a PFE of 230.7, followed by Don't Look Up, The Adam Project, and The Unforgivable. Money Heist Part 5 stays at number six, but Stranger Things 4 is charging up the chart fast with a PFE of 96. Bridgerton Season 2 moves down, The Tender Swindler moves down, and Senior Year moves down to that number 10 spot. This is usually where I talk about the Nielsen ratings for streaming, but they did not update them. So it's kind of like the day when the teacher's like, oh, well, you know, usually this is where we go into our last lesson, but uh, you know what? I'm going to let class out early today. So we're going to let charts out early a little bit today, although early is kind of a relative term. A big week coming up this week at the box office. We've got Minions, The Rise of Gru. Yes, I will be reviewing it here on the channel later this week. We have Mr. Malcolm's List, which is a period drama that will be hitting uh, some theaters around the country. And then the other big entertainment event that's happening this week, the second volume of Stranger Things 4, the final two episodes, which are both reportedly uh, feature length. I will be watching that. I will be reviewing that. You can probably see that here on the channel on um, Friday or Saturday, depending on uh, how quickly I can make it through them and my thoughts and uh, you know getting the video done and everything else. So look out this weekend for my thoughts on Stranger Things 4, volume two. And yes, also on Minions, The Rise of Gru. Thank you so much for watching. If you want to see what else I'm up to, you can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. I want to thank MeUndies and Carbon Health for their sponsorship and partnership here on the show. But most of all, I want to thank you for watching. I will be back this week with more reviews. I'll be back next week with more box office. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.